the reading is taken from uh, the Gospel according to John, chapter 15, verses 1 to 17. I am the true vine, and my father is a vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because a servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. It's lovely to be with you all this morning, have the opportunity to share with you. Um, I'm going to have to say thank you for inviting me because I don't know if any of you noticed in the free press, Jennifer pointed out, it out to me yesterday, they put that you had a guest speaker. And uh, I've not come fast, so don't worry, the treasurer won't have to give me any expenses. <laughs> um, I'd like to speak this morning on the passage from John chapter 15 that Peter's just read for us. Um, We've been studying John in our house group, so I felt it was appropriate to speak from John this morning. And just to give you background, it is the last I am saying of Jesus in John's Gospel. Um, Throughout John's Gospel, Jesus says, I am different things. And these sayings give us pictures of who he is, and they tell us that he's God's son, who gives life and who gives salvation for all of us. And they point to his death and his resurrection. I've just got some pictures just to illustrate them. I like to use pictures. So 
We got I am the bread of life. He sustains us, he feeds us. It's quite appropriate that Tom's brought us some bread this morning to eat afterwards. Um, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. He guides us by his light, doesn't he? That's John 8, verse 12. Then, I am the gate. If anyone enters through me, he should be saved and should go in and out and find pasture. That's from John 10, verse 9. Then we have that famous image, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. That's from John 10, verse 11. He tends for us, doesn't he? He cares about us. And ultimately, he sacrificed himself in our place. Then we have, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. That's from John 11, verse 25. Then, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus gives us access to the Father. He restores our relationship with him through the cross, as we were just singing about in that song, You Chose the Cross. And finally, what we're going to be looking at this morning from John 15, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. And I sort of did a bit of background reading on this and the saying, I am the vine, is actually an Old Testament idea of Israel being a vine or a vineyard. Um, It's mentioned in Psalm 80, um, and Marilyn's just going to project Psalm 80, 8 to 19, hopefully, if our technology works. And I'd just like to read that to you. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It set out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. Why then have you broken down its walls so that all who pass along the way pluck its fruit? The boar from the forest ravages it. All that moves in the field feeds on it. Turn again, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see. Have regard for the spine, the stock that your right hand planted. They have burned it with fire, and they have cut it down. May they perish at the rebuke of your countenance. But let your hand be upon the one at your right hand, the one whom you made strong for yourself. Then we will never turn back from you. Give us life and we will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. You know, Israel had fallen under God's judgment through through their sin. But there's hope, isn't there? There's the new vine. There's Jesus, the true vine. 
And in John 15, he's saying that he's giving an opportunity for people to turn again to God and restore their relationship with him. And we're the branches of the vine. Isn't it great that we're connected to God as as the branches and as his followers to be useful and fruitful in his service? Um, I think we're... We're back on my computer. <laughs> um, I've got three themes to talk about. Um, first one is growing in the vine. Um, in verse one, God's described as a vine dresser or vine grower. He's a gardener who tends and cares for his followers. We've got a YouTube um, illustration of the gardening of the vine, which I'd just like you to watch for a minute. Thank you. I can see from that it's essential, it's important to remain in the vine so we can continue to bear fruit. But you might think, well, how do we go about that? And I think the key is our relationship with God. We've got to stay close to him. We might do that perhaps through our prayer life. Um... It's not just about asking for things, praying, is it? It's about communing with God, having a relationship with him. Verse 4 says we have to abide in him. And the Hebrew word for that means to dwell and remain. Um, I looked abide up in the dictionary as well. It means to accept or act in accordance. It's about obeying his commands and following his ways. But then we saw the pruning, didn't we, on that um, clip there. And that can be the hard bit, I think. That can be the painful bit. Jesus, he taught and he trained his disciples so that they could carry on his ministry and so that they could bear fruit after he'd ascended to be with the Father. And I think he teaches and trains us as his followers today. Throughout life we develop, don't we? And we grow in our skills and in maturity. Just got a little picture here. You can all go, oh. <laughs> this is Jasmine, um, Christmas Day 2003. That was the day she was born. Um, my mum was holding her there. And she was tiny. She was very alert. She was very tiny. And um, she um, couldn't do anything for herself when she was born. Um, she still acts a bit helpless at times these days. Um, but the first year of her life was incredible for me because she changed so much. She went from being that little baby to um, smiling, to babbling, to sitting up, to um, crawling. And then she walked before she was one and she could play and she was growing in her independence. That's her playing with her toys on Christmas Day 2004 when she was one. And children change quickly, don't they? They grow up too quickly. Everybody else's children grow up quickly. Um, And we still change and we still learn as adults. And I think sometimes that can be hard and it can be painful. Um, When I left university, um, Ben and I got married, um, and 
he is a few years older than me, so he already was settled in his job where he was working. I know you won't think he's older than me because he looks young, I know. But um, he was settled, so I had to go about looking for work. And it was quite hard to find a job. It took a few months and it was a bit soul-destroying at times. I'm sure lots of you have been through that experience. And I went to some temp agencies and I got a job with an agency working for what's currently known as one of the big six energy suppliers. Um, And the agency set up that interview and I didn't really know what it was about, but they offered it me and I thought, well, I'll, I'll accept it. So I went and started the job and the work was repetitive. It wasn't the area of work I thought I really want to be in for the rest of my life, thank you. But I learned a lot of skills in IT and admin and also dealing with people because some of the people weren't always that nice. Um, They weren't always that nice to me and that that was quite hard at times. But because I learned skills, I was able to move on to the job I got when we came here and... They gave me lots of training. Lancashire County Council are are really good at giving staff training. And I was able to move on to the job I have now with Lancashire County Council, which actually suits me um, really well. There's a process of development in our lives. You know, my career will develop, I hope. And we grow in maturity. And I think we grow in our abilities so that we can serve God better. And I think we can develop new abilities to use, perhaps which we haven't used before. And God might call us to do something new that we didn't think we could do. Um, Next thing I want to talk about, it's important to have three points. I've got three points this morning. Um, It's being supported by the vine which kind of leads on from what I've just been saying. You know, even if you don't know why you're in a situation or you can't see a way out of that situation or a positive outcome, you need to remain in him and trust him because he's with us and he will see us through. Jeremiah 29 verse 11, Jasmine brought that verse home as a memory verse from boot camp um, this week. And it says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. We're connected to Christ, the center of the vine, and we can depend and we can rely on him believe God's got a plan for each of you. He's got a plan for all of us. And he tends and he cares for us. And ultimately, he's addressing our long-term fruitfulness as his followers. We need to keep close to him so we'll grow, so we'll bear fruit. And we need to keep close to him even when it's hard and we just feel like one of those weaker branches during that time we can be supported by his love Jesus says in verse 9 doesn't he as the father has loved me so have I loved you abide in my love 
just got that verse from Isaiah. It's a famous verse. I think it's our memory text, or maybe it was before. But it says, Though youths go weary and tired, and vigorous men, they stumble badly. Yet those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow tired. They'll walk and not become weary. We need to wait for God sometimes. And we need to trust God to renew us. And I think sometimes the waiting's hard and we need patience. Um, Psalm 46 tells us to be still and know that he is God. And the Hebrew word for still actually means to stop striving. Um, I was reading Daily Bread on Psalm 46 and the writer put it really well. He said, it's the concept of putting your hands down and letting God intervene in your situation without your interference. When we drop our hands, it makes us feel defenseless and vulnerable unless we can trust that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, and that he's with us. It means to stop struggling and to wait for God to do his work. Um, I was thinking about that miracle from the wedding at Cana where Jesus turned the water into wine and how the people, they waited for the best wine to come last, didn't they? And God's got good things in store for us. He has a plan for us. And ultimately, he has salvation for us if we believe in him, if we trust him, if we follow him. Um, next thing I want to talk about is connecting in the vine. Um, as the branches, I think we must be interconnected to each other. And verse 12 is a command to love each other as Christ has loved us. We're brothers and sisters, aren't we? We're a family. I hope we're a family in this church. I truly believe we are. We're not alone in our walk with God and we need the fellowship here. We need to be meeting on Sundays and we need to talk to each other and meet after the service over coffee and we need to get involved in the life of the church. If we work together on projects, we get to know each other better, don't we? And we form our relationships as relationships grow and we can be there for each other. But I was thinking, sometimes we need patience with each other, don't we? Um, My patience has really, really been tested this week. Our internet went off. And I was thinking, years ago, we didn't have the internet. It was, we coped, didn't we? We managed. (laughs) But we get used to these things in our lives. And um, so I struggled with my PowerPoint. We had all sorts of technical issues. I spilt coffee on the laptop yesterday, didn't I, Ben? And um, Ben's been tearing his hair out with me. Um, And then um, Friday lunchtime, I was on my lunch break from work, and um, I thought, I'll quickly go and get some petrol and fill up my petrol tank and um, grab something for tea in Tesco. 
and I had like half an hour. So I set off and got to Petra's forecourt and the car in front of me kind of dithered a bit and he didn't look like he was going to go for the pump. So I thought, shall I, you know, go ahead or shall I wait? So I waited. And um, he got out, filled his car, you know, got the pump out. So I pulled alongside because there was room to wait for the pump in front so the driver from in front pulled away and member of staff came out and started you know pulling a receipt out the pump so I waited and then the guy next to me who dithered a bit was ready to go I thought he was ready to go I got back in his car so I beckoned him forward to you know drive on off um, before I pulled into the other pump and he drove to the pump I was waiting for and I'm there like, what is he doing, you know? And anyway, um, so I reversed and went back to the pump that, you know, he was at already. And then um, I noticed he'd driven around the petrol station and he was at another pump. And I realised what had happened afterwards, that they were pay-at-pump-only pumps. And I think he hadn't realised he had to put his debit card in them to make them work, so I think he just thought they weren't working. And he probably only wasted a few minutes of my time, but I was feeling very (laughs) irritated. (laughs) And Romans 13 verse 4 to 7 tells us that love is patient, love is kind. It's not envious or boastful, arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And when I read this verse, what struck me was that it endures all things. It's hard to endure what people throw at us sometimes, isn't it? But we need to endure with each other, and we need to be there for each other as a family. John 13 verse 35 tells us that everyone will know we're his disciples if we have love for each other. And I think that's where we need to start if we're going to grow, if we're going to serve God, if we're going to reach others. We need to start by loving each other. Our hearts have to be right first and our relationships have to be right we might naturally get on with those who've got similar outlooks um, from ourselves to ourselves um, or similar background. I think it's great in this church because we come from different places, don't we? We have different backgrounds. We have different experiences. And we might disagree about a few things, which might be healthy in a way. Um but we need to put our love for each other first as brothers and sisters in Christ to not let other issues dominate. We hold our church meetings, which, you know, aren't always the most exciting meetings, aren't they? Let's be honest. But we hold them to debate and to discuss what we should do and to find the way and the will of the church as a whole And I think it's really good that we can all be involved in that. It's not just up to the deacons or the minister. What happens, we all participate. And I think once we've discovered the way, once we've voted and decided things, 
we need to all come on board and follow that, even if perhaps our ideas were different. We can't be just wanting our own way all the time, can we? Um, I don't know if any of you know the board game Cop It, um, but we were playing this game with the children the other week, and Jasmine, she's nearly ten, um, so she got the idea of the tactics, but Zach's only six, and the tactics were a bit over his head. So um, we said, look, Zach, if you go this way, you'll get somebody out, and you'll stay in the game, but Zach wanted to go the other way. And however much we said Zach go this way, he was going the way he wanted to go. So we had to let him. And he didn't stay in the game. Um, and he, he lost. He was out because we're not particularly generous, you know, about letting them win games. Um, and we can't just go our own way, can we? We need to support the decisions made in the church not just do what we feel like. But also in the loving each other, I think we need to love those who are hard to love. I think we can harbor ill feelings and we cannot forgive things and we can put, and we need to be putting past hurts behind us. We're commanded to do that, aren't we? I'm not saying that's easy. Is what God requires. And we need to support those who are weaker. We need to be there for each other. We need to care for each other. It's a love that endures difficulties. And it puts others first. Jesus put us first when he died on that cross, didn't he? He died in our place so that we can have life, so that we can have salvation. And so that we're reconciled with God, restored in our relationship with him. Just got a final reading for you from Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 2. It says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside the weight and every sin that clings so closely, and let's run with perseverance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. So to close in summary, we have this image of a vine, this picture this I am saying, Jesus says, he is the vine. And we are the branches of that vine. We belong to him, don't we? And God's the gardener who prunes the vine, who tends it, so that we can grow in our relationship with him, so that we can bear fruit and develop abilities. And we're supported, aren't we, by Christ, the vine who restores our relationship with God by dying in our place on the cross. And because of that, we're called to love one another so that we can collectively serve God and so that our hearts are in the right place to witness to others. Amen.